If you didn't say amen, I'm going to give you a chance to do it again. All right, one, two, three. All right, man, God is worthy of that, isn't He? Amen. What a day that's going to be uh, when we stand before Him and He's. we're going to sing and declare Thou art worthy. I look forward to that day. And uh, I'm glad I'm saved this morning. And I know that day is going to take place. And I know that day is coming for me. And if you don't know Jesus as your Savior then I would beg of you today that you would consider your great need to be saved and that you would trust in Jesus before it is everlasting too late. How sad it's going to be that there will be many people that sit in church houses all across the world and one day will join in destiny with the devil in the lake of fire for all of eternity because they never trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. But today, the opportunity is presented to you that you could be saved and you could know Jesus. Hosea chapter number 10 if you have your Bible, that's back there in the Old Testament. And uh, I'm not going to tell you where because I'd probably get it wrong. I had to bookmark it so I wouldn't have to get up here and look for it. But uh, Hosea chapter 10, we're going to start in verse number 12 while you're finding your place there. Hosea prophesied this message during the time when the kingdom was divided. And you had the northern tribe, the northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah. And it, uh, Hosea's ministry was primarily to that part of what we know is Israel to the northern kingdom. And when he began his ministry, things were going well. He started at a time when uh, politically and economically things were going well in that kingdom. Uh, and like we do today, when we begin to prosper, we begin to drift from the Lord sometimes, don't we? When things begin to go well in our life and everything is going good, you would think that that is a good time for us to get closer to God. And it's a good time for us to, to worship God, and it's a good time for us to serve God. But history tells us, not only uh, as we look at the nation of Israel, but when we look at our own lives, that when things begin to go good, we sometimes tend to drift from the Lord and forget about the Lord, and we begin to trust in our own way. And here that's what the people of God we're doing. And one reason that I love to read these minor prophets, we call them the minor prophets because their books were smaller, their message was just as great as in, and important. But one of the reasons that I like to read the minor prophets is because one, I understand it a little more than I do the others, but on a different note, uh, and also I can finish it because they're shorter, but I like the message that they presented to the people because so many times those short messages, they filled them with a call to revival. That they were calling the people of God to return back to the God that had delivered them, that had saved them, and that had provided them. And I am fully convinced this morning that one of the things that we stand in need of more than anything else today is we need a revival. It is the reason that I will stand before you every Sunday into the best way that I know how to preach the Word of God because it is the greatest need of this land that the people of God would experience a revival that is sent not from man, but a revival that is sent from the very throne room of heaven. And I am convinced that not only do we need it, but God can also send it as well. And these prophets would come to the people of God and they would not only tell them about revival, but they would call them to prepare themselves to experience the revival that only God could send. And here in the book of Hosea, he is writing to a people that needed revival. And one thing to be mindful of as you read this is they 
as he would preach and as he would uh, speak to them, he would use terminology and he would use examples that they would be able to understand and that they would be able to visualize. Now one thing we know about the people of Israel is that gardening was not a hobby for them. It was a way of life for them. It was something that they were very familiar with because it is the way that many of them managed to be able to survive in that day. And so oftentimes we would read from them that they talked about sowing and reaping and and breaking up ground and preparing it. And it is because when they spoke that way, the audience would be able to take that message and not only hear it, but understand it and visualize what God was trying to get across to them. And with that being said, look with me. Hosea chapter 10, verse number 12. The writer says, Sow to yourself in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, till He come and rain righteousness upon you. You have plowed wickedness, you have reaped iniquity. You have eaten the fruit of lies, because thou didst trust in thy way, in the multitude of thy mighty men. Therefore shall a tumult rise among thy people, and all thy fortresses shall be spoiled, as Shalman spoiled Beth Arbel in the day of battle. And the mother was dashed in pieces upon her children. So shall Bethel do unto you because of your great wickedness in a morning shall the king of Israel utterly be cut off. You see, when they heard this message and he made this statement, he told them to sow and to reap mercy, sow righteousness, reap mercy. But then there is this little phrase right there in the middle when he said, break up your fallow ground. And when he made that statement to them, know this, that the Israelites would understand exactly what it was that God was trying to get across to them. When He mentioned that fallow ground, they would visualize in their mind this hard and crusty, matted down ground that was resistant to any seed that would ever be planted on it. They knew exactly what He was talking about. And they understood that God was not talking about the actual ground, but He was talking about the heart that they had and how hard and callous that it had become. And they understood that He was confronting them on their complacency, on their bitterness, on their callousness, on the fact that they had become cold to the presence and to the preaching of the Word of God. And His message to them was this, to break up that fallow ground, to break it up and to cause it to be soft again and ready and prepared to receive the Word of God. They understood that they were hard. They understood that they were callous. And that's exactly what God was dealing with in their life. You see, the people of Israel of that day had lost their fire. And they had lost their passion. And they had lost their zeal. And they were no longer moved by the Word of God anymore. They were no longer moved by the worship of God anymore. The people here had grown cold to everything that God was for and they had become desensitized toward their own sin. That They probably pointed out the sins of everybody else, but their own sin, they would look over and they were just this cold, hard, bitter person. I feel safe to say this morning that the message Hosea preached then is probably still true today as well. I think one of the problems we run into sometimes is when we look at the Word of God, we looked at it with a strict view of being a history book and a book of information. But I would submit to you this morning that the Word of God is more than historical and it is more than informative, but it is a book of transformation and it is a book of application for you and I today. It is not just a book that we can read and talk about to get an understanding 
understanding of what the people went through, but it is a book that we can read that is alive, that is living, that is powerful, that is sharp, and we can take a message that was preached 2,500 years ago, and we can preach it today, and it does the same thing today that it did back then, and that's because the author of it back then is still the author of it today, and it was alive then, and it's alive today, and it's still able to do that which nothing else can do, and when we look at the Word of God that way, then it can do a great thing in our heart. And that's what the prophet is wanting to get across to them, is that your heart is hard and God doesn't like it. Your heart is calloused and God's tired of it. You've become cold and God doesn't want you that way anymore. It was a call for revival. And it was a call for change. Some of us have been there. I hate to admit it this morning, but sometimes it's my heart. My heart that is hard. It's me that's cold. And it's me that's callous. And it's my heart that has built this layer of crust around it that won't let anything out in any way at all. And maybe it's because of things that we have gone through, but we have allowed this shell to cover our heart and we have become this calloused and bitter person. And we're that person, and don't be offended please, but we're that person that nobody wants to be around sometimes because we've become so hard and callous and bitter because of things that have happened in our life. And most of us, we tell ourselves this when we become, well, I'm doing this, I'm doing this to protect myself. You don't understand. I've allowed my heart to become extremely hard because if I allow my heart to get hard, here's what I don't have to do. I don't have to let anybody in. I don't have to, when people try to love me, you know what I do? I run from it. And when people try to build friendships and relationships, you know what I do? I hide from them. I don't want anybody to get close anymore. I don't want anybody to come in. I don't want anybody, I don't want to be vulnerable in any way at all. And so I'm going to allow this hard crust to be formed around my heart as a way of protection so that I never, ever get hurt again. But I would submit to you this morning, if that's your mentality, you are allowing two destructive things to happen in your life. Number one, a hard heart cannot express love the way that it needs to. And you may be protecting yourself. And you may say today, well, well, preacher, I have allowed my heart to become so hard toward everybody because I don't want to get hurt again. Just know this, there are people that are still being hurt, but now they're being hurt by you. You're not letting them hurt you, but because of this hard heart, you're hurting them because here's what they wonder. They wonder why so-and-so doesn't love me anymore. Why so-and-so doesn't ever smile and laugh anymore? Why does so-and-so always isolate themselves from me now? Why, why, does so, why is there so much distance between me and this person? Used to, we were close or, or used to, they, they were so joyful, but now they have put this layer of crust and protection. So I don't want to let anything get in that hurt me. I would submit to you this morning, if you're not letting anything in, then nothing's getting out either, alright? And if you've allowed that hard heart to soak into your life, and you've allowed that, that's who you've become. And maybe you can tell yourself all day, I'm doing this to protect myself so I don't get hurt. Just know this, the people that are going to get hurt are the people that you love the most. They're your sp it's your spouse, it's your children, it's your grandchildren, it's your church family, it's your friends. It's all of those who care about you the most, who want to help you the most. But you've got this hard heart. Here's another one that is, it's God. It's God that wants to help you. And you know what you're not able to do with a hard heart? You're not able to love God like you ought to love God. 
And God has done everything that He could ever do for you and I to show His love to us. And maybe things have gone on in our life, and please understand, I'm in no way at all intending to belittle the experiences that you have gone through that have caused you to be have a hard heart. I just want you to know you don't have to stay that way, and God doesn't want you to stay that way. And when you do get that way, that you are destroying relationships, you're allowing relationships you have to be destroyed because of that hardness. You're allowing your relationship with God to be destroyed because you're allowing that hardness to prevent your love from going out. But here's what else you're doing. You're preventing His Word and His love from coming in. You go out to a fallow ground today that's hard, that's crusty, it's, it's got a thick layer on top of it, and you throw out some seeds today. You go buy some seeds and you go to that land and you just go scatter all of those seeds on that very hard and fallow ground. And you know what you're going to get out of that? You're going to get wasted money is what you got out of that. You're not going, there's not going to be much of any fruit that ever comes up. Those, those, those seeds that you have planted will never penetrate the soil of that hard and crusty ground that is there and they will sit there and birds will come and eat them and they'll wash away and nothing will ever come of that. And today, all across this great land that we live in, churches are meeting together and preachers are standing and preaching the Word of God, but the majority of the seeds are probably falling on fallow ground. They're falling on a heart that is hard because of scenarios and situations and circumstances that they've gone through. And here's what happens. God isn't able to do the work that He wants to do in our life because we're preventing the seeds from the Word of God ever taking root in our heart. We're not taking anything in. Preacher, I don't want to get hurt again. Preacher, I'm not going to let that happen to me. I'm not going to, you know, I've, this went on in my life. Whatever it may be, we come up with all sorts of things. And, and, and listen, you do you do, you do what you want to do when you leave this place, and, but I'm afraid of this right here, that one day we're all going to get to the end of our life, and we're going to look back. And we're going to look back and we're going to say, man, think about all the things I could have done for the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about the, think about the friendships and the relationships and the memories and, and the work and all of that that I could have done for the Lord and my family and my friends and my church, and, but I was so hard-hearted that I wouldn't let anybody get in and I wouldn't let God do a work like that. I wouldn't let God get a hold of me. And I had built this layer of crust and, and the preacher could stand up there and he could preach for an hour and a half, but I never heard a word that he said because my heart was so hard and I was only there to go through the motions of things. I was not receiving any seed that came on that ground there. You know what's sad is that fallow ground that he was writing to them about was once good ground. At one time... There was a harvest on that ground. At one time they would go out and the ground was soft and they would plant the seeds and then they would come back and they would reap with joy at the harvest that they would get. But now that same land that once brought forth great fruit is now sitting barren because it is fallowed. It's hard. It's crusty. It is resistant to any seed. And I wonder this morning how many hearts that could be said of today. Used to you'd sit there in that pew and somebody get up here and they sing. Golly, they'd get you singing. It was like the presence of God just came down in that place and a tear would run down your eye and you just couldn't help but raise your hand and worship to the Lord. Or maybe down here in your pew you'd raise your hand. At least you'd have a little bit of excitement. Anyways, you, you'd do something. You were moved by the, by the Spirit of God in some way because God was in that place. But now you sit there and you just sit watch and you listen and it goes in 
one ear and out the other. And so what happened? The ground has become fallow. The ground has become hard used to. The preacher would stand and preach and the message of God would be presented and so much conviction would just flood your soul and your heart and you just couldn't help but draw closer to the Lord. But now you sit there and you wonder, when is He ever going to be done? And you're never moved by anything that the Word of God says anymore. You used to drive down the road and you would sing songs of praise so loud and you would be worshiping the Lord. Everybody that passed you thought you were crazy. And you would just stop and give thanks to God because in that place He was just so present. But now, you don't ever have that anymore. You used to get open, you would open your Bible at night and you would begin to read it and it was like God was just speaking so clear to your heart you didn't want to put it down and now you force yourself to pick up the Bible. Used to, you would enter into that closet and you would just begin to pour out all of your concerns and your burdens and you could be so certain that right there in that place that God was sitting right beside you because you could feel Him and now you'll pray and you'll pray but there is no presence and there is no power. And you say, I don't know what has happened. I would submit to you today that that heart that was once soft has become hard for some reason. And I don't know what that reason is. I think everybody's got a different one. Maybe today something has happened to you in the past. Maybe it's past relationships. Maybe it's trauma, hurt. Maybe it's tragedies. Maybe it's storms. Maybe it's guilt or shame that hang over your head. Listen, all of that could go on and on. Here's the thing though, I, I don't, you don't owe me an explanation or anybody else an explanation of why your heart is hard today. You, you don't have to explain and say, well preacher, this is what happened, or preacher, this is what, you don't owe me that explanation. I'm not, I'm not here to, to judge or to criticize what has happened in your life in any way at all. I want to share with you these two important truths. God doesn't want you to stay there. All right. I, I, don't, I don't know what it is that has happened. I don't know what is going on in your life. And maybe it has been the worst thing that anybody has ever gone through in life. I would still submit to you this morning. God doesn't want you to stay in that condition of a hard, callous, cold heart. You don't have to stay there. That's the second thing. Here's the thing. You say, well, preacher, I've been this way for 10 years. Some of you may be longer than that. You say, I've been this way for a long time. You know, 20 years ago, whatever happened and blah, blah, blah. And I've been this way ever, ever since then. You say, I'm just, I, this is the way that I'm going to be for the rest of my life. I'm going to be hard. I'm going to be callous. I'm going to be bitter. I'm going to be mad. And it's just, it's just how I'm going to live. I'm, a, I'm afraid that many people have made that decision in their life. They've just decided this is it for me. I'm going to be this way until the day that I die. Can I say that Jesus did not come so that you and I could have a life of misery, a life that has been stolen, robbed, and destroyed by the devil, but He came so that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly in Jesus Christ. And if you have decided this is the way I'm going to live, then you have listened to the lies of the devil and Jesus is saying, I have more for you than that right there. Your destiny is not fallow ground for the rest of your life, but that heart that is so hard today can be made soft again and if it couldn't be then Jesus or the Lord would not have told Hosea you'd tell him break up your fallow ground if that was the destiny of him you know what he would have done he would have said yo Assyria y'all come get them destroy them I'm done with them never want to see them again they were going to get taken not long from here but you know what he still told them to do break up your fallow ground because they didn't have to stay that way and friend you don't have to stay that way today either that same heart can be made soft again you say well how do I get there how do, I, how do I get that soft heart that is so sensitive 
to the Spirit of God, to the Word of God, and what God wants me to do. I don't know about you. I want to be moved again, alright? I, I, I want to be back in that place where somebody get to singing and tears roll down. Not for emotionalism. Listen, I don't, I don't care about emotionalism. But I don't want God. I don't want to grieve the Spirit of God. And I don't want to quench the Spirit of God. I want God to be able to move in me that no matter what's going on, I'm going to respond in some way to it. Alright? When God works on my heart that He doesn't have to tell me ten times, I'm just going to go when He tells me the first time. And I'm going to do what He's told me to do. Because it's so soft. And it's so responsive. And it's so sensitive. To every single seed that is planted in that ground. That's where we need to be today. That's where we can be today through the instructions of the Lord. Let me just give you a few things. I'll be done. You say, I want that fallow ground. Number one, you got to pull the weeds. You got, you know, the only thing is you read through this text and you read the context of it. You know what was growing? Only thorns and weeds that would grow out there. That ground was fallow and you could throw the seeds out there that, that God wanted, but it wouldn't grow up any of those. But you just had the weeds, you had the thorns, you had, and you got to pull those things. Now, I, I do my best to avoid all of this, alright? I, I mow yards every now and then. People say you rake leaves. I tell them for $500 an hour, I'll rake your leaves, alright? You do flower beds, it's $1,000 an hour, alright? I don't want any part of any of that stuff whatsoever. And the reason I don't is because it ain't no fun. I don't enjoy that. It's painful. It, it takes forever. It's tedious. You get cuts and over. I don't want any part of that. I don't want to do that. Well, the same thing is true with our hearts sometimes too, isn't it? We got all those weeds. We got all those thorns. We got all that stuff. You know what Jesus said about that? He said, even if it is good ground, even if the ground is decent and you throw seeds among those thorns, what happens to them? They get choked out because of the deceitfulness of riches, the, the worldliness and the carnality and all of these things. It chokes me. Listen, if we're going to get to a place where we're sensitive to the Word of God and we're able to do something for the Word of God or for the work of God, then we've got to pull up the weeds. But the second thing that we've got to do, I want you to look at that statement again that he made. We've got to prepare the land. He said, break up your fallow ground. Break it up. It's time, it's time to get out there. It's hard. It's crusty. Listen, this would be a hard job in that day. It would be a, a long job. It would be something that they had to be committed to to spend hours and times of sweat and pain and, and to be able to toil for it for long periods of time to be able to get this ground to where it needed to be. They would have to get out there and they would have to work at that. And it would take time and it would take effort and it would take energy and it would take sweat and it would take all of these things. But if they really wanted it, then they had to get out there and break up the ground. I want you to notice the statement that he says, break up, look at this, not the neighbor's ground, not your brother's ground, not your sister's ground. He said, you break up your fallow ground, all right? Today I can stand here and I can preach to you that we need to break up our fallow ground, but I can't break yours up. And you can't break mine up. And I can't do any, I can, I can do all that I can to preach the Word of God and do that and pray for you. But you gotta break up yours and I gotta break up mine. You, your mama can't do it or daddy or nobody else can do that. Only you can do that for yourself to break up that fallow ground and allow that to be done. We spend so much time trying to break up everybody else's fallow ground and ours has become this hard shell while we're talking about everybody else's, we have to deal with self this morning. We have to do something with our own. We have to look and take a self-examination and say, what is it that I need to do? Let me just give you a few things that will help you break up that fallow ground. You know what helps me to look back to Calvary? If I look back to Calvary every now and then, and I'll see Jesus lifted up on that cross of Calvary with, with my sins on His body, 
with everything that I've ever done on His body. And He's suffering under the the hands of sinful man and under the the sovereignty of God as He's taking the the wrath of God on Himself. And, And I see that and I see Him go through all of that. How can I not be soft again? How how can I consider all of the love that He has for me and that He displayed for me and that hell has been taken, my penalty has been satisfied, my my judgment, it's all been said and done through the work and the shed blood of Jesus on Calvary. And I think about those words when He said, it is finished, it's done. And when I look back at Calvary and I hear those words and my heart begins to be made soft again because I'm reminded that while nobody here may know what I'm going through, that I have a high priest that can be touched with the feeling of my infirmities. He knows all that I've been through and He paid the price for me and He sits at the right hand of the throne of God for me today and He loves me and He cares for me and I know that because He died for me on Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago. When I see that, it begins to move in my heart again and remind me of just how much I'm loved. One preacher said it this way, if you're ever going to stay where God wants you to be, then you've got to walk by Calvary at least once a day. And I'm afraid that there are many Christians that don't walk by Calvary, but maybe once a week. Maybe they hear about it when they go to church, if they hear about it then. Maybe they hear about it on a song every now and then. But if you want to be all that God wants you to be and you want to stay soft and you want to stay sensitive to the Word, then you've got to take a walk by Calvary at least once a day and go back and consider all that Jesus did for you. If you're going to break up that ground, you're going to prepare that land, then here's what you've got to do this morning. And you're you're not going to want to because your flesh isn't going to let you or want to let you. But you're going to have to let go of those hurts. You say, well, well, preacher, it's just so bad and all of these different things. It's time that we have to let go of those hurts. We've been hurt. We've been betrayed. We've been offended. We've had bad things done to us. The, The list could go on and on. But many people today are missing out on the present tense because all they're focused on is the past tense. All they're worried about is everything that has gone on in the past. That they base all of their decisions, their feelings, all of that on the past. And there's absolutely nothing they can do about it. Please understand this. I'm not saying that you weren't wronged. I'm not saying the other person in a fleshly sense probably didn't deserve to get laid upside the head. Alright, I'm not saying all those things didn't happen. But here's the thing. You and I don't have the right to do that. And all we have, here's our responsibility. Our responsibility is not to fix the past of everything, that because I can't. My responsibility today is not to fix what has happened. It is to focus on what I can do for the Lord Jesus today. And what He has given. We have to be willing to let go of those hurts. That There are many people today that are, that are Christians, they're believers, and they're walking around with a hard heart because they refuse to let go of the hurts. And, and here's it. we say, well, well, I don't want them to forget what they did to me. I don't want them to forget. And so every time that I'm around them, I'm going to be mad at them. I'm going to give them a sour look. And here's what I'm going to do when they walk in the room. I mean, it's really going to get them, all right? I'm going to cross my arms when they walk in, all right? You know, And they're going to know. They're going to know that I'm mad at them. And they're going to know that I don't approve of what they did. And the only person that you are really doing anything to is yourself. Because you've made yourself miserable over all of it. And I assure you, they probably don't care anymore if they hurt you. But you've consumed yourself with that. And if we are ever going to be soft to the Word of God again, then we've got to let go of all the hurts that have come in our our heart. All of the hurts that have happened in our life, we've got to lay them down at the foot of the cross and say, Lord, You paid for all that already. You paid for my bondage 
Now, why in the world would I bring myself back into bondage when Jesus already delivered me from that? Why would I bring myself back into that which He has brought me out of so that I can live that way? He doesn't want me to do that. We have to let go of those hurts. We have to crucify the flesh on a daily basis. The flesh is going to tell you to do the very things that will harden your heart. And if you're ever going to have a soft heart again, you've got to wake up and you have got to crucify the flesh. One preacher said, the first thing i got to do every morning is jump in the grave. Every morning, the first thing i got to do, the flesh has got to go. If I'm ever going to be successful for the Lord, I've got to crucify the flesh because my flesh is going to lie to me my flesh is going to make me, want me to think things that isn't true. My flesh is going to want me to think the worst about you and the worst about other people. And it's only going to lead to a hard heart there. But if I'll crucify the flesh and I'll yield to the Spirit of God, then, this, then God can begin to soften that heart. Here's the last thing that we have to do. If you and I are ever going to have a soft heart to the Word of God and to what God wants to do in our life, we have to change our perspective. So many people... So many people have the perspective, we all do, let me say that, we all have this perspective sometimes in our life, that everything, everything is out to get me. Everything. Everything that happens. You know, look at, look at what's happened to me. Look at it's this way, this way, all this stuff. And it's all, everybody, everybody's tearing me down. Everybody's destroying me. Everybody's trying to get rid of me. Everybody hates me. And it's just all from every direction. And they might. And I'm not saying they don't. I don't know what they feel. But it's our perspective that we change. We can't change what they're doing. I can't change how they're treating me. I can't change what has happened in my life. I can't change the, the sickness that I got. I didn't do anything to get. I, I can't change any of those things. But I can change my perspective of how I'm looking at situations. And if God's people are ever going to have a soft heart again to the Word of God, we've got to quit being the victim and we've got to remember we're the victor. We're not the one on the losing side. I like what Joseph said after all of those people, his own brothers had sold him and they tried to destroy him and they tried to get rid of him and they came to him and they were afraid that he was going to kill him. And Joseph made this statement when they, when they, they came begging for his forgiveness. He said, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. You talk about a perspective change. He could have wallowed in that pity forever. I mean, he could have done everything. He was a man of authority and power. And he could have said, hey, don't give them any bread that we've saved and let them die because of what they've done to me. And some of us, if we had that authority, we would have killed them if we had that ability. If we had that right and he had it and he said this, you meant evil, but God meant good for me. You talk about a perspective change. You want to have a soft heart for the Lord? You want to talk about why a man got a dream? You want to talk about why, why a man was taken up to the second place in Egypt? You want to talk about why, why a man was able to save the whole country of Israel? It's because his perspective was not poor pitiful me. His perspective was all about the Lord. It was, it was all about what is God doing through this situation. It hurts. It stinks. It's no fun. I don't like it. People are rude. People are mean. But God's still on the move and God's still doing something. And instead of looking at what everybody's doing against me, I'm going to see what God's doing for me in the middle of all of this for His honor and for His glory. Paul talked about his affliction. And Paul did not say for our great affliction, but he said this, for our light affliction, which is but, notice this, for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Paul had the perspective, listen, it may be terrible. I mean, you, you think about what Paul went through. It wasn't a walk in the park, all right? And Paul said, but it's for a moment. It's light. And I know this, it's working something great that I'm going to experience over there in glory. He had the perspective, not what about is against me, but what God is doing for me. 
And can I say, greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. He's on your side. And if you're in Jesus Christ, you're on His side. And when we change our perspective and we begin to look at things that way, then God begins to give us a soft heart even through the most darkest days that we go through. We don't come out with that shell. We still come out with that sensitive heart that is ready for the Word of God. Look at what He says one more time. Break up your fallow ground and notice this. For it is time to seek the Lord. I believe today that it is past time for us to seek the Lord today. Nothing I can do about not seeking Him yesterday, but it's time today that we begin to seek Him, not for a little while, but notice this, still He come and rain righteousness upon you. Friend, Jesus is coming again one day. And I believe that the Lord is in the business of still doing a work in our life today. But here's what's going to happen for a lot of us. God's going to come. God's going to show up next week. God's going to show up tomorrow. And God's going to be ready to send down a rain. But you know what's going to happen to the seeds that got planted on your fallow ground? They're going to have been gone. And that water is just going to run off of there because it's hard and crusty. And you're going to miss out on what God can do because the land wasn't prepared for what God was ready to do. Let's prepare the land. Let's plant the seeds because one day Jesus is about to make it rain and we want to bring forth fruit for Him when He does.